Hey, listeners, Tig here. Just want to pop in to say the episode you're about to hear is a delight. For reasons that will be obvious once you take a listen, it got me thinking about those chance, life-changing encounters that we only experience a handful of times over the years. Maybe it's an out-of-the-blue job offer or unexpected words of advice that finally gives you the last piece of an existential puzzle. Maybe it's meeting the love of your life. I'd love to hear from you all out there. What have been those once-in-a-lifetime moments for you? Let me know, and maybe I'll read some on the show. Go to don'tasktig.org or call 833-275-8444. That's 833-ASK-TIG-4 and leave me a voicemail. All right, now on with the show. I've gone to you for advice. Yes. I just want to really let our listeners know that you previously, you were somebody where I thought, I got to ask Lake Bell what she thinks. <laughs> I thought, well, this is a reasonable person. Now that I know you better, I know I went to the wrong person. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, hoping my next guest can bless this mess of an advice show. My guest today is a director, writer, producer, and actor. She directed several episodes of Hulu's popular miniseries, Pam and Tommy. She produced and starred in ABC's Bless This Mess and voices the character Poison Ivy in the DC Universe animated series, Harley Quinn. She wrote, directed, and starred in the hit Sundance film, In a World, which we are definitely going to be talking about. She recently released her first audiobook, Inside Voice, My Obsession with How We Sound. Lake Bell, my dear old pal, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Tig. Yeah. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for so many things, but also for just having me here today. Oh, well, let's list the things that you want to thank me for. I really thank the stars because, uh -huh. frankly, you and I have some magic among us. Um, yes. yes, we do. Look, mm -hmm. in a world, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, in a world. I mean, that's my biggest thank you to you because my wife and I played minor roles in a little indie film called In a World. And here we are almost 10 years later. 10 years. Still together. <laughs> and that was really some magic making. It's yeah. so crazy. And neither of us were feeling that way in the moment. Yeah. I was deathly ill. And, yep. you know, Lake had this little pallet on the ground and I would go lie down and I'd get up and yeah, we'd um, always create kind of like a manger for you to go <laughs> and snuggle into not knowing I had invasive cancer and an intestinal disease. Didn't know that comfy pillows wouldn't yeah. do anything for you. <laughs> and nor <laughs> did I know that I was in scenes with my future, future wife, wife, love, partner, yes. like yeah. Oh, I adore you guys so much. You spoke at our wedding, but even before all that, we were just pals and 
nearly inseparable there for a run. <laughs> well, we have the same birthday. Yeah, we have the same birthday. March 24th. Let's March let people 20- know. Different years. S- different years. Fine. Sure. Fine. Sure. We met through um, your ex-boyfriend and yes. became just fast friends. And now we're grown adults that have children <laughs> and even busier careers and lives. And I know. don't see each other nearly as much as I wish we did. But Man, do I love Lake Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, that's how I feel. I have a fig tree that's very important to me, and it's called Fig Notaro. Not Fig Newton? No, no, Fig Notaro. Okay. All right. Now, Leg, you recorded an audiobook called Inside Voice after talking to linguistics professors, dialect coaches. No? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this is correct. No, I Inside Voice is an audiobook that I felt like it, it's somewhat of an extension mm-hmm. of the sort of passion I had even in the inner world days mm-hmm. because I just kind of wasn't done yet. Which was a movie about... Voiceover. Voiceover and the speaking voice. You mm-hmm. know, I find the human speaking voice sort of endlessly compelling from every angle. The book itself is kind of like pop sociology, I guess, talking to professors. And I definitely talk to pathologists and linguists. And the idea that you can also just enjoy accents, dialects, uh, quirks and mm-hmm. affectation and trends all within the voice that all kind of, you know, highlight a real roadmap of your whole kind of story, you know? What were some of the most surprising findings in your research and discussions? Well, first of all, psychogenic dysphonia is really interesting. It is voice loss, like the voice kind of freezes up mm-hmm. um, from trauma. Mm-hmm. And the voice actually ceases to work. Forever? No, you can work through it to mm-hmm. get your voice back. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was really surprising. And then additionally, you know, I got to speak to, you know, very iconic voices that are constantly being being mimicked mm-hmm. to the likes of Jeff Goldblum and Drew Barrymore. They're almost a timestamp of cultural icons in their voice. Mm-hmm. You know, a timestamp of the of our era in pop culture, because I really feel like Jeff Goldblum, Andrew, they both have these architectural quirks and uniqueness that's just like you can't help but want to emulate it. And have you always been comfortable with your voice or are you still like, I don't like my voice? Are you like, I love my voice? I'm not very squeamish about me as a sort of performer at all because I have done it for so long. To, yeah. I've been so curious about it and I've utilized myself as a case study, you know, at all times. So sometimes I think even making this book, to be honest, is the first time that I'm like, wow, that's enough. I don't need to hear my voice. <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean? Like it's the first time where it's a lot of talking. I remember for years, like so many people, I would cringe when I heard my voice. And now I'm so used to my voice. You know, it's what I use to make my mortgage payment, you know? (laughs) Yes. And so I don't even notice it anymore, but find it fascinating when people are not used to hearing their voice, hear it even now in recent days, I've seen people hear their voice and they are like, oh gosh. They're like, oh God. (laughs) Well, I think that people are really disassociated. There is this lack of self-awareness. It's sort of jarring to hear your voice played back to you because- 
the truth is how you hear your voice inside your skull mm-hmm. as the sounds reverberate mm-hmm. on the inner workings of your muscles and your your bones and your teeth and then they come out it's not the same sound that you would then hear in a voice note that then's laid mm-hmm. back to you so at first listening you're going oh my god i don't recognize that yes and so thus i think it's like that feels a little unsafe that feels unsettling and thus it's it, it is you know self-loathing <laughs> And how is your singing voice? You know, it's funny. I really think of them differently, the speaking mm-hmm. voice versus the singing voice. Okay. In the same way that I can architecturally play with my musculature and all the tools that I have in my vocal toolbox. Yes. In that way to do dialects and accents, mm-hmm. I could do that. I kind of take on singing like that. So it's mm-hmm. not like painterly, you know, mm-hmm. where I just feel it and it's romantic, <laughs> you know, it's more like, okay, mm-hmm. I can emulate that it, yeah. as long as, you know, I'm trained. The vocal tools are very pliable, you know? Mm-hmm. And usually when people say like, I can't sing, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, if you're very vocally unself-aware mm-hmm. and you don't have a natural, just off the truck, gorgeous singing voice, then mm-hmm. the only way to it is being very vocally self-aware. It would be amazing if that's how you got a good singing voice, if it came right off the truck. Off the truck. Uh, listen, people would be clamoring. Yes. Now, Lake. Yes. You, at one time, were Hollywood Reporter's automotive columnist. How did you end up with this? My dad is in motorsport. Yeah. My dad, Harvey Siegel. And Uh I know that you're bringing this up because you got to reap the rewards sometimes of the extraordinary cars that I would get given for a week or so to test drive when I had my test drive car column for the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm an automotive journalist. So, uh, yeah. That is so cool. (laughs) Is that something where when you're out in the world dating, a guy is like, really? Not to be sexist. I mean, women are into cars too. But is that, is? I mean, my wife, who you introduced me to, loves a car. Where my feeling is, does it have four round wheels and uh, a horn? then I'm I'm all in. <laughs> Listen, I think it is pretty fun. I think mm-hmm. that it can also go the other direction because if a guy was like not that secure in himself mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I know a ton about cars and it could be kind of like go the other direction or something, like it's a turn off easy with right. your and like I got so much of my own going on. Yeah. And then to boot, I don't know how to like change my own tire. Okay. See, I used to be able to do that. And, and I believe I- that. How dare you? How dare you? No, I do. Because I feel Um, like you're from the South and, you know, you know how to do stuff. (laughs) I have a picture of me changing a tire. No, really? Smoking a cigarette. Hold on one second. I'll show you. Oh, great. Now, you folks at home can't see this, but the picture she's getting is on the wall. So this is a very dear picture, clearly, to her because... I mean, it was framed and put on the wall. Hello, she's back. Yeah. Oh, God. That's you? Yeah. Please tell me this is your new headshot because this is all anyone ever needs to know about you. I need to post this, right? You need to post this like tonight. <laughs> Actually, when this comes out, people are going to want to know. So yeah. you need, to, yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad because I'm smoking a cigarette, but it's kind of a cool picture. It was hanging right below a picture of me and Stephanie in Sweden 
about three weeks after we got together, we immediately went out of town. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe we're in Scotland. We just went all over the place. Now, as far as the gig as the automotive columnist, is there any advice you would share with people shopping for a car? (sighs) I mean, look, I currently... I'm driving a 1979 Z28 Camaro. Okay. (laughs) And whilst I love it, and it's a really good, it's a fun ride, you know, four-speed manual, I think in LA, (laughs) the way to go is EV. I'm now auditioning and trying new EV cars. Like, there's so many cool, there's Polestar, there's Lucid, Mm -hmm. you know, there's Rivian, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of into that right now. So that's, I'm sort of excited about the new generation of EV cars yes. in all price points. So mm-hmm. I just like that it's now getting more accessible. All right. Lake Bell says, get yourself an EV. <laughs> Electric vehicle. Electric vehicle. And Lake, you have described your family as comically dysfunctional. Was their dysfunction always humorous to you? That was a quote from mm-hmm. so long ago, Tig. Okay. All right. I got in trouble. Oh. My dad said, what's so dysfunctional, you know, about this? You know, and I was like. That's you getting in trouble? No, no, no. He, I mean, he, gave, me, he gave me proper gum. <laughs> he gave me gum. What, what, what's dysfunctional? He was like, you know, I've been married for so long, you know, like this yeah. and that. He just gave me gum. And um, by the way, you're totally right to call me out on that because I do tend to think. I'm in trouble. I did mm-hmm. it wrong. So mm-hmm. if anyone's like, hey, I think you dropped your napkin. You're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I did it wrong. You know what <laughs> I mean? So, so that's my own problem, but um, I've gotten over it. But he was bummed on that comment or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I meant was mm-hmm. there is dysfunction in most families and there's totally dysfunction in how a divorced family with like multiple marriages and yeah. remarriage, you know, being carted from like apartment to apartment, yeah. it, you know, it's just a kind of a messy scene, but part of it was great. It was allowed to be funny. You know, I was allowed to mine for humor and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when the grownups were all being like scary and angry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's really fascinating when you see a family that teeter on pretty close to not so dysfunctional. It's startling. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's a confusing. You guys are good. Who? You and Stephanie are pretty beautiful and like we're really good. Uh, we've had our share of ups and downs and bumps in the road, and we have God. ongoing issues. And I've talked about it a lot, but we make each other laugh so hard, <laughs> and so we're pretty good at tapping out of a bad situation. Right. Our new goal that Mm. we're trying to work on is even though we're tapping out of a heightened situation, we have to go back and revisit what the issue is. You can't, you can't just laugh and then walk away, which we did um, for a long time. Well, it brews. It just will brew. It'll come back bigger. You got to go back. You got to go back when it's not as charged, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, I'm divorced, so... (laughs) Yes, but you're also, you've got a good thing going on with your ex. Yeah, we're like very, very close. He's awesome. He's the best, Scott. And he, um, you know, I think it's the kind of thing where it's the most proud we are of anything we've ever done (laughs) in our relationship is the idea that we can have come to this 
new chapter of our relationship as yeah. co-parents and friends yeah, and really root for each other in our own lives and then have this bond in our children. And I yeah. know it's unusual because yeah. sometimes I, I get some like pushback from people who don't relate to it and they don't get it, you know? They don't trust it. They don't trust it. Yeah. It's like confusing. Well, it doesn't confuse me. And Lake, yeah. are you ready to help our listeners? They need advice. I love this. Let's go. Okay. The first question is from a listener who needs help finding their voice. And I have a feeling you're just the person to help. Marissa writes, Dearest Tig, my therapist recently suggested I try using a narrator to help me externalize and differentiate some of my negative self-talk from who I am as a person. She suggested I choose another person's voice for this exercise, and my immediate instinct was to use yours, Tig, since I've been listening to your podcast and appreciating what an advocate of self-care you are. Do you think I made the right choice here? Whose voice would you suggest? Uh, Very interesting yeah. uh, therapeutic assignment. And so, wait, Marissa is saying she's using my voice to say these terrible things to her. No, no, no. I think to quiet... Like her, her inner voice ah. in monologue sounds mm -hmm. like her and yes. it's quite negative. And so she has to repurpose the good yes. aspects of her this self makes sense. and give her positive self-talk, but through your vocal lens. Ah, I like it. I like it. Can you say something for her and just say like, hey, Marissa, it's me, Marissa. You look great. You're doing great. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Hey, Marissa. It's me, Tig, as you. I think you're stellar. I think you're doing all the right things. Do you think this is a good practice, Lake? I mean, I just feel like clearly she adores you. She would really like to hear your voice as her telling her that she's she's doing okay, you know? And frankly, everyone's allowed to have a day mm -hmm. and everyone's allowed to say a little negative self-talk. But, you know, let's amplify the good self-talk. I have this little moment in my HBO special called Drawn that's animated. And it's about when I was a kid, I created this idea that Eddie Van Halen was hanging out and just checking on me. And uh, I remember just being outside and juggling my soccer ball. And Eddie Van Halen was just leaning against a tree in my head and just watching over me. And that was my little... Uh, your angel. Yeah. You're, Ed he, you're he, Eddie Van Angel. Yeah, and my Eddie Van Angel that was letting me know I was doing a good job. And he'd just come back from tour every now and then <laughs> and, you know, swing by on the Van Halen tour bus and just be like, I got to go check on this little girl, you know, make sure she's doing all right. I love that. That has a visual component, too, which I think is quite nice. Well, it's animated now. It's on HBO. Now, Marissa... If it helps you, I'm happy to play this role of one of your inner voices, okay? And Lake Bell is behind this as well, right? I'm supportive of it, yeah. She is supportive. Lake, don't go anywhere. We'll pause for a short break, but then we'll be back because I have more questions.
And we're back. Lake. Yes. This next question was sent to us from a listener who self-identifies as shy. Okay. Georgia writes, hey, Tig, hey. I feel like that's a reference to my other podcast, but (laughs) I'm a single woman in my late 30s, although I work for a pretty large company. My work is mostly independent, so I don't meet many people. I'm also on the shy side and struggle with chatting up random people. Every once in a while at work, I walk past a certain guy in the hall who I think looks really nice and cute. I feel like we have mutually taken notice of one another before, but that is all. I would really like to find out more about him or get to know him, but have no reason to talk to him or even approach him. Do you have any ideas for how I could somehow strike up a conversation or at least get beyond just a smile? Well, Georgia, you sound like a delight of a person is the vibe I get from you. Lake, do you have initial thoughts or feelings about this? I feel like the good news is you're old enough at this point to Mm -hmm. just, you don't have to be afraid Mm-hmm. If you're in your 20s, I do think it is intimidating. But then you realize at a certain point, I think your 30s gives you the allowance and the privilege to just be bold. Yeah. Look, all we're talking about is something simple, like starting a conversation of any sort. You could potentially lose a guy you don't even have. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. All it is, is, you know, you're in the space together. You're clearly throwing rhythm at each other, because mm-hmm. I think what we say. Yeah, what, we do say that. Me and you, we always you, say When that. you and I talk yeah, about it. Yeah. When we talk, we talk about, about we it. This that. is what yeah. we say, throwing rhythm. And so with that, I feel like you see him, he sees you, mm-hmm. you know, and in one of those moments, you're like, hi, <laughs> let's start yeah. there. You know, it's like- You know it, when you really care less is in your 50s. Right. Oh my Lord, do I care less, but go on. I will say this, like, how do you feel, Tig, about- mm-hmm throwing rhythm to someone that is in your workspace. Maybe she's having some reticence because it's kind of like the where you eat thing. Well, you say there's no reason to not except for the fact that maybe they'll start dating and then break up and be miserable in their workplace. I feel like even at 30 something, you're going to be okay. In its late 30s, this person is almost 40. Happy birthday. Yeah. You're a grown up. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to go up to a cute guy who is smiling at you and talk to him. Mm -hmm. That's the cool thing about being in your late 30s and early 40s, whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Like, Nothing matters, first of all. And in in a dark way, you could look at it, but also in a light hearted way. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Go talk to him. I think that the only thing I would say is the annoying part of this Mm -hmm. is if you don't do anything, because it's just going to be this extended rotation of what if, what if, what if. Or maybe that's what is the tension keeping you going at work. The flirtation. Or just the will we or won't we vibe. So it makes work fun, fun. to go to. Um, Ooh, that's a great point, Tig. If nobody's hitting on anyone and you just look forward to passing yeah. him in the hall and smiling, and then you can create this fantasy of, oh, he likes me and he is going to ask me out soon. For five years. <laughs> <laughs> For 40 years of your tenure at the company. (laughs) Maybe he listens to this podcast. If he listens to this podcast, what's her name? Georgia? Uh, It is Georgia, and she's in her late 30s. So if you have a job 
and you work with someone named Georgia in her late 30s, don't ask her age. Don't ask her age. Do not ask her age. That's ask nice. everyone around her how old she is. And that's and, how you get it. <laughs> and then... If you have rhythm with her, yeah, she she likes you. I've never even heard that saying, throwing rhythm or... Really? Yeah. Well, but, uh, you know. Do you like it? How do you like it? Sure. 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 I, I immediately picture, oh my gosh, if Stephanie leaves me, would I be capable of throwing rhythm anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I will. Anyway. Look, you're, she's not leaving you, so you don't have to worry about it. Georgia, good luck. Let us know how your mystery hall guy responds. We're going to take a quick break to answer a question that came in our therapy etiquette inbox. This segment is where we answer those awkward questions we all have as people getting the professional help we need and deserve and is sponsored by BetterHelp. Today's question was sent in from Ani. Ani writes, Hi, Tig. Therapy etiquette question for you. I've been seeing a therapist for a few years, and while we get along pretty well and I've made good progress with her support, I recently learned about something a friend is doing with their therapist that I would like to try. My friend and I have some similar issues, so it seems like this new activity would be helpful. I don't want it to seem like I'm telling my therapist how to do their job or that I'm ungrateful for what she's done for me already. How should I tell my therapist I want to try something I heard about from a different therapist? Well, I don't think it's weird at all to talk about different strategies and techniques because your therapist is definitely paying attention to what others in the field are doing and considering what works best for you. I I bet they'd even appreciate the feedback or suggestion or whatever you have. One thing to think about is what parts of your friend's experience do you want to replicate? Was it helpful for them in building rapport, going deeper, organizing their thoughts, or setting goals? Maybe that larger objective is what you and your therapist can work on, whether it involves this technique or another more suited to your particular vibe. It does seem like you are genuinely grateful for your therapist's support, but all therapists should be checking in with their clients to make sure they're getting what they need, especially as they grow, change, and understand the world differently. Yeah, I hope that that's been helpful or at least somewhat reassuring. We want to hear from you. Send us your therapy etiquette-related questions at don'tasktig.org. Thanks to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Now, let's get back to our conversation with Lake Bell. Lake, here's a question from a listener named Julie. Julie. Julie writes, greetings, Tig. I have a bit of a conundrum. My aunt has invited me to live with her in Brussels for a few months, which sounds amazing. However, my savings account is nearly empty and paying for the flight would send me into debt. My mom offered to pay for my ticket as a gift. In theory, this would be perfect. However, I'm in a rough spot with my mom right now. She is so critical and controlling. I wrote her a letter and told her I need space from her. I'm nervous that her offering to pay for this trip is a ploy to buy back my love. What should I do? This is rough. Mm -hmm. Because that's so unfair. Mm -hmm. I do think... um, 
in general, I mean, again, I like how you poke holes in everything I've said because you're usually right. When it comes to money and family, mm-hmm. for me, this is like kind of triggering. If there's any way to do it without having those mm-hmm. ties, it always amounts to a better relationship personally. Yeah, yeah, it definitely can get tricky. <laughs> this is a crazy suggestion. Okay. But what if, you know how people start those GoFundMe accounts? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Married couples have it like, hey, we want to do a honeymoon, but we don't have the money, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you said don't take money from family, but your mother could donate to that. Um, other people could donate. If if you were saying, I've been invited to go here or your friend started it for you, I have no idea if this is terrible advice. This is called Don't Ask Tig. Everyone, get off my back. <laughs> but if somebody started this, if I said, Lake, I really want to go someplace, I'm totally broke. Would it? I mean, is this a weird suggestion? I have no idea. I like your idea of, look, if you have a challenging relationship with your mother mm-hmm. and you have this like little seed inside you that's saying this is a cookie to mm-hmm. get you to come back, you know? Yeah. Because that could be manipulative and money, unfortunately, especially large amounts often come with a lot of baggage, a lot of ties, you know? Yeah. I feel like any other way to do it. Either it's like, you just can't do it, you know, Mm -hmm. this year. And that would be, I don't know what your, her age is, but when you get to be like an adult adult, you just don't, if you don't have the funds, you just don't do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you're just like, okay, I'll try next year. Well, maybe if you're going to live with your aunt, could she do some sort of job while she's out there for a little bit? And then she's not paying rent. Maybe. I don't know, Julie, it's a tough call. Julie, there always is a way, but Mm -hmm. it might behoove you Mm -hmm. to mine for some creative solves in the realm of either having an arrangement with your aunt and sort of talking about like, hey, is there something I could do where it's like, I'm going to pay it, I'm probably going to be in debt, and then what I'll have to do is pay it off. Is there a job I could kind of get locked in? Yeah, like the aunt pays for the ticket? Well, either the aunt or- um, Come on, auntie. Auntie, auntie, auntie. It's auntie, Brussels, auntie. So, you know. That's where I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And then she can work her way back. Mm-hmm. Work her debt off. See, yeah, we solved really, it. We solved it. We solved it. If you really want me there, kick down the cash, lady. <sighs> but you know what to do, Julie. So do it. Julie, you got it. You know. Like this last listener question involves neighbors with friends with benefits. Ooh. Here we go. Lindsay writes, I'm a woman in my 40s and I live next to a house with three men in their 20s. My kitchen window looks directly at their house and on more than one occasion, I've seen them having sex. I normally avert my eyes and leave the kitchen, but my elderly conservative mom is going to be staying with me for a while and we eat all of our meals in the kitchen. I've rarely spoken with these guys. How do I ask them to close the blinds when they're having sex without it being too awkward? Thank you, Tig. So is she saying there's a thruple going on and three guys are hooking it up or just they're... And while I know that you would like more details on that, I think the main issue is sexual intercourse of some kind is occurring frequently in the kitchen. Lindsay is asking that they shut their blinds. Lindsay, do you not have blinds? Yeah. Can you not shut your blinds? It's the kitchen. 
I know, but people have blinds in kitchens. I think you either have to get blinds in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's those half ones. What are the mm-hmm. like cute little, yeah. the little rod that goes through the half of the yeah. window. And Grandma's kitchen. Yeah, but you can do it with a nice, you know, yeah. clean piece of linen. Anyway, point is either you figure out your blind situation. Yeah. Or you could have the great story <laughs> of a lifetime and go over there and say, you could leave a note, I suppose. Well, here's the thing. If you write a note, you don't have to say, I see you having sex. No. You might just say, hey, um, <laughs> just wanted to let you know that my mother is going to be visiting. Or you can even say grandmother. <laughs> or you just say, I have house guests coming to visit and I do. Or you could have that awkward message delivered. <laughs> or you could put, here's an idea I just had. You could put cardboard and wood all on your windows and say that a baseball came flying through your window and you're having your window fixed. Jesus. And then you just block the whole thing out. And then when (laughs) mama leaves town. Back to parties. Back to thruple sex peekaboo. Peekaboo. I think that that is a great don't ask to answer. However, Mm -hmm. I would also say. How dare you? I love the idea of this letter because I just would enjoy the out of penning it mm-hmm. because you'd have to find so many euphemisms for thruple sex that you kind of have to think of like artful ways to get around it. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, hey, you know, with res- neighborly respect, I'm assuming you're not aware that some of your windows are exposing <laughs> Your, your exposures, your exposures, your private at parts. all. And, um, you know, I just, you know, with respect to your own privacy, you know, I just want to let you know. So maybe just when my, yeah. yeah, make it not actually about your mother visiting, just say, oh, hey, you probably don't know this, but out but, of respect, neighborly respect. Yeah. And don't make it time sensitive or mama visiting sensitive, just be, hey, we can see into your house. I don't know. Um, You might want to do something about that. Dear For your own privacy. For your own privacy. privacy, I wanted to respectfully tell you as a neighbor that sometimes people can see into your northwest facing windows. Get Get a compass is what I'm trying to say. So just FYI, pull your pants up for your own privacy, put your away, you know, put your privates away, all of them, all three, all three privates, your front bottom, your back bottom, your top bottoms, just all of them. Just put them away. Mama's coming to town. (laughs) Okay, Lindsay, that's quite a situation you got yourself in, but best of luck. Keep us posted. Yeah, I mean, good for you, you know. Lake, this last segment is taking us into the confession booth. Okay. Welcome to the confession booth. The Don't Ask Tig confession booth features listeners sharing secrets they've never told anyone in order for us to give them the advice they're too afraid to ask for. Today's confession was sent by Molly. 
Hi, Tig. My name is Molly. I'm calling because I wanted to confess something to you that I have not confessed to anyone else. And that is that I'm still in love with someone who I dated before. And I'm in a new relationship with someone great. And I want it to work. But I find myself thinking about my ex often. And I really struggle with it. So have you ever been in this situation? And what did you do about it? That is a rough spot to be in, whether you're dating someone or married or even if you're single and you can't shake Mm. someone. Yeah, it's painful. And I feel for you. And I have been in a place where I couldn't shake my feelings. And I have to say, one of my proudest Accomplishments? Accomplishments. I don't know if it's an accomplishment, but I entered my relationship with Stephanie and maintain that still 10 years later, not interested in anybody else. And I am so thankful for it day in and day out. I've certainly found people attractive, but I, I don't know what I would do if I was in my marriage thinking about somebody. I think the move here is, if I could just chime in, is that you owe it to yourself and your partner to seek professional advice because that's Mm -hmm. a big one, meaning, you know, therapy, because you've got to like hash it out with someone more than just like, here's a confessional. Like this is major. If you're Mm -hmm. feeling at the level of like, I'm having trouble not thinking about this other person while you're in a a committed relationship. You can't walk around with that secret. Yeah. It's cancerous, honestly. Yeah. Are you getting vibes and reason to believe this is mutual or is it just one-sided? Yeah. Because again, to go back to my marriage, there can be an attractive person. There could be somebody that's coming on to me. I've been down that road before. Mm -hmm. And the person I dated previously, I went down that road too. The road I haven't been down is the road I'm on right now. And I just wonder if there is something that's keeping you from being available to what your life could present for you. I hear you on that. You know, it's cliche to say that, you know, relationships are hard work, you know, it's like because they are. And yeah. so the point is, if you haven't been down that road or you've had a history of looking at the other side of the street a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. you got to look at yourself. And that's why I say therapy, because that's when you're kind of like, OK, this is patterned, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. behavior. And and it is hard. I'm not quite sure what her age was, but I do think. 99. 99. You're good for her. You know what? Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lastly, what I would say about that is that, you know, you were saying, do you think that there's reciprocated kind of flirtation or charge Mm -hmm. there? And I just feel like probably there is. I don't know. I feel like those fires are often stoked by a little wind, you know? Yeah. Sometimes not, but oftentimes, yes. But I do think it's good to check out therapy. For sure. And find out what to do with these feelings. And I think somebody talking you through it. 
I mean, gosh, couldn't I say that at the end of each question? You need to talk to a therapist. No, this one particularly. <laughs> yeah, this one is like... For sure, for sure, for when sure. When it's like about the heart, the nuance of yeah. feelings. Like you said, you're like, is this a pattern? Is this like a, a, a way that you get... Is this how you are turning away from something that's really hard, which is staying within a committed relationship and mm-hmm. enduring that path, but also reaping the rewards of how fruitful it can be, you know? All right. Molly, good luck. Lake, since this is a confession booth, should mm-hmm. we assign penance to Molly? Um, I mean, I'm Jewish. So mm-hmm. like, could you do that part? Could I do... Like, you mean like give her... Um, you, you're absolved? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Molly, you're absolved. Lake... It's been a pleasure. I, I do love you. And I you. And do you have anything you would like to promote to the world? Inside Voice is a good hang. Get it on Audible, Libro, Apple Books, everywhere. I'm very proud of it. Very proud of you, my friend. Thanks. Yeah. I love you forever. And I love you forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much. And I'll um, plan on seeing you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Ouellette and Shayna Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.
Hi, I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, <laughs> we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 